You're listening to the Destiny Community Church Podcast. Um, Today we're going to end this series called Community is Our Middle Name. Community is Our Middle Name. And even though this series is ending, know that the heart of community does not. It, It is who we are. It's who we will continue to be. We are a community and we are for the community. Amen? And the first week of this series, I explained to you that God has ordained us to be in relationship. We're not meant to do life alone. He has prepared a place for us in the body of Christ. Excuse me. The second core value at DCC is dependence, giving people opportunities to meet other believers in order to build relationships for eternity. The second week, we focused on the importance of unity in the community. Psalm 133 and 1 says how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. In unity. So just moments before Jesus was betrayed and arrested, he prayed a very sincere prayer for his disciples. And he made sure in that prayer that he was praying for the believers that were to come. So he was praying for the disciples and for us. He made sure that he covered us in that prayer. And he prayed that we would be united as one. He was praying for unity in the body of Christ. And it is critical that we protect the unity of the church. Amen? Last week, this series took a shift from being inward-focused to how we relate to the community outside the walls of the church, becoming outward-focused. And Pastor Andrew did a tremendous job of challenging us to to show the world around us the love of Jesus. And, And when we show them the love of Jesus, it's then and only then that they're going to listen to us talk about Jesus. We're called to go and show, not save to stay, right? We are called to go and show the love of Jesus. And today I get to wrap all of this up and conclude this series. I want you to go ahead and turn to Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. And we'll be there in just a moment. Um, Recently, I, I taught a series on Wednesday nights covering every book of the Bible. And while we were talking about the book of Revelation... Um, I covered the seven churches of Revelation that Jesus addressed, and, and he told John, send this message to them, and he addressed each one of these seven churches in Asia Minor. One of those churches was the church in Philadelphia. Now, this was not Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, okay? I just want to make sure that everybody in the room understands we're not writing, Jesus was not writing to a church in, in Pennsylvania. That's not it. Um, This was not um, the home of the Eagles, the Phillies, the 76ers. It's not the location of the Liberty Bell. It's not the hometown of Rocky Balboa, okay? Not that, that Philadelphia. This city was located in Asia Minor and was built by and named after King Attalus II Philadelphus. So in his message to the church in Philadelphia, Jesus addresses the church in Philadelphia, and he explains their purpose and their calling. And, and I just think it's something that speaks to us today. I think we cannot um, um, ignore it, even though I believe wholeheartedly it was addressed to that church in some situations that they were facing. I believe all of his, the seven letters to the seven churches speak very directly to those churches and what they were going through at that time. There are lessons for us to learn, and there, there are, are nuggets for us to pull out that we have to listen to, okay? And so it is important to note that out of the seven churches addressed in Revelation, this is, only, this is one of only two churches that were not reprimanded by Jesus. 
one of only two churches that were not reprimanded. And, and this church in Philadelphia is actually the only church that Jesus praises and rewards. So he, he rewards them for, for, for their faithfulness. So Revelation chapter 7, we're going to start, I'm sorry, chapter 3, we're going to start with verse 7. Uh, Revelation 3, verses 7 through 13. He says, and to the angel, which means that's pastor, that's the messenger, okay? To the pastor of the church in Philadelphia write. So to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, the words of the Holy One, the true one, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door. Somebody say open door. Jesus says, I have set before you an open door, which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet, and they will learn that I have loved you. Because you have kept my word about patient endurance I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole earth to try those who dwell on the earth. I am coming soon. Hold fast what you have so that no one may seize your crown. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it. And I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven and my own new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And somebody say amen. amen. In the early 2000s, I was on staff at University Church in Tampa. And in our one year, I remember this, this, uh, this one particular year, our church staff Christmas party was at our pastor's house. Our pastor and his wife opened up the doors to their home and invited all the staff to come. And so it was the staff and, and all of our spouses. And <clears throat> we were going to eat dinner that night together and, and then, of course, do the white elephant gift exchange that we always did every year. On this particular night before dinner, I was sitting in the den and I was talking with a gentleman, a gentleman there with me, an older gentleman um, who was the, the spouse of, of one of the other staff members. And we were just having a good conversation and we were sitting right next to um, a sliding glass door that all of the children were just running in and out of. They had a nice pool area in the back and all the kids were just constantly just running in and out, back and forth. And it was a nice, cool night outside, so we just left the door open so the kids could just run freely in and inside and outside. After a while, the man that I was fellowshipping with must have gotten a little cold. So he reaches over and just nonchalantly closes the door. Unfortunately for our worship leader's youngest son, the glass was exceptionally clean. And he had been run, he'd probably been out that door 25 times already that night. Kids were running full blast. And uh, that kid ran right into that door face first, just as hard as he could hit it, face first. That poor kid turned around and looked at me like, like I was his savior or something. He looked at me, and with tears coming down his face, he looked at me, and those two buck teeth, just blood just started pouring out around his, around, and, and bless his heart, it was the funniest, most heartbreaking thing I've ever seen in my life. 
I didn't know whether or not I should go hug the kid or laugh at him. I didn't know. So I, I think I did both. And, and I just, I called for our worship leader. I was like, get in here right now. Your son needs you. Closed doors can be extremely frustrating. Closed doors are frustrating. Just ask anyone who has ever locked their keys in the car how frustrating a closed door can be. Um, closed doors can make you feel like you're missing out. We prefer open doors. That's what we want. In our lives, we want open doors. We, we don't want the door to be closed when opportunities present themselves. We want the doors to swing wide open because open doors are welcoming. There's opportunity when there is an open door. There, there's a future through an open door. There's community on the other side of open doors. And, and if all of this is true, which I believe it is, if this is the case, then why do so many churches close their doors to people that don't look like them, don't believe like them, and don't vote like them? I've saved it all for today. Why do so many churches have a secret society? They close their doors, and, and it's not inviting for anyone outside of their clique, anyone outside to come in and be a part. Let me be very clear on this. Our doors are open at DCC. Our doors are open. Everyone is welcome. Now, before you get upset and tune me out, Please listen to everything that I'm about to say. Then get angry after I say it, but at least you've heard everything I've wanted you to say and you didn't tune me out, right? Okay, so just hear me out. Hear me out. <clears throat> From time to time, <clears throat> we have people that call or email the church wanting to know if we are inclusive. That's a question. In this society today, are you an inclusive church? And obviously, I know what that means. In this society, I know what that means. Is Destiny Community Church an inclusive church? And the short answer to that is, of course we are. Of course we are. It doesn't matter your race. It doesn't matter your gender. It, it doesn't even matter your sexual orientation. You're welcome here. Let me say that in the camera right now, okay? It doesn't matter. You're welcome here. The doors are open. You're welcome here. However, you knew it was coming, didn't you? However, we also recognize that humanity has shortcomings, that we are born as sinners, and that humanity must change to express our love and faith in God. We cannot stay the same and express our love and faith in God. You don't have to do anything for God to love you, but you do have to change to love him back. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. That means you're not who you used to be. You are a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Here's what's happening, and here's the plague right now that's hitting so many churches. Because they are striving and fighting to be so inclusive, they're not guiding people into true Christ-like change. You see, every day of our lives, we've got to be growing to become more and more like Jesus Christ. He is the model. He, he is the goal. That is, that is what we're striving for. 
And so we cannot become complacent and, and just say that, that we're all okay wherever we're at. When you come to Christ, understand you are starting a process. And God is going to begin leading your life through a process. The old has passed away and the new has to come. Amen? Amen. Ephesians chapter 4 verses 22 through 24. It says, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead... Let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes, put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. He has put the bar in front of us. We know what we need to be striving for. And we are inclusive in, in the fact that everyone, all people are welcome here. They are. But please understand, we are not going to water down the Word of God. We believe it for what it says. We take it at its word. We believe the Word at His Word. Amen? Amen. So the simple answer will always be yes. We are inclusive, inclusive as we want to include anyone and everyone into God's family. But we also love you too much not to preach the truth of God's Word. Amen? Amen. Kyle Whittingham, head football coach at the University of Utah, was on college game day yesterday. And he said something that, that, as soon as he said it, I went, oh, that, that's, that's good. And I, I rewound it and I, I listened to him again. And it was in reference to recruiting players into their football program at the University of Utah. And here's what he said. He said, they will become us, we won't become them. They will become us, we won't become them. And that sends a message to, 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 to two sides there. Please, please hear it out. This is a message for the church today because when reaching a lost world, it's important for us to have an open door. Let's recruit men, women, children, and families to become part of our tribe. But in the process, it's important to stay focused on the mission. The door is open. Listen, world, the door is open. But church, you listen too. Let's make sure that as the world enters the doors, that we live our lives in such a way that makes them want to become like us and not us becoming like them. That, that should, everyone in the room should have said amen right there. Trenton did. Some churches, in an effort to protect their created culture, they become exclusive, unwelcoming. And I get it. I do. And, and, and I think it's a slippery slope, but I get it. Because there is a need to preserve not only the unity of the church, but the integrity and the theology of the church. I'm all about protecting that. But we need to become so grounded in our faith that sinners can walk right through those doors and see so much Jesus in us that they want what we have. That's the church. That's the open door church. And the city of Philadelphia that Jesus addressed in Revelation chapter 3 was a door through which all east and west trade and commerce passed through. That church was a gateway. But it was considered a missionary city, not in, in, in the, in the uh, uh, Christianese world. That, that's not what I'm talking about. But it was a missionary city through which Greek language and culture would be spread throughout Asia Minor and beyond. This city was, was planted, it was developed, it was built very intentionally. 
The city of Philadelphia was designed to be a place of influence. People could come there and they could learn how to be a Greek. That's why they built the city. You come here to Philadelphia, we'll teach you the culture, we'll teach you the language, we'll teach you how to be a Greek. And then people were sent out from Philadelphia to spread the Greek language and the Greek culture. It was a missionary city. Let's go back to what Jesus said to this church, Revelation 3 and 8. He said, I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. Jesus said, I have set before you, church in Philadelphia, I've set before you an open door. He told them that not only did they live in a missionary city, but that they were called to be a missionary church. Only they were not going to be spreading the culture and the language of the Greeks. They were going to be spreading the love of Jesus Christ. He said, you are called to be a missionary church. Regardless of popular opinion, Christianity is not exclusive. It's not. And church, from day one since we planted this church, our prayer has been, God, send in the lost. If they need Jesus, send them to us and let us be ready to, to take them by the hand and disciple them and show them the love of Christ, the ways of Christ, and how to grow in Christ. When we were just about to move into this facility, I sensed the Spirit calling us to an old-fashioned Jericho march. Anyone know what I'm talking about? An old-fashioned Jericho march? We had never done anything like that here. And so, for seven days, we gathered on this property, and we walked the perimeter once a day for six days, all the way around the whole property, 20 acres here. We, we walked the perimeter and then on the seventh day, we walked around this building seven times. On one of those days, I remember I had a little portable speaker, and, and we couldn't let people in the building yet, and so we were, we were standing outside, and I just sensed some opposition. I did. There, there was just something. I couldn't pinpoint it, and, and, and I'm still not exactly sure what I was feeling, but I could sense some opposition and, and we gathered out front, and, and we began to pray. And, and during my prayer, and again, there was a portable speaker, and I'm holding a microphone, and I began to pray through that microphone. And during my prayer, this, the Holy Spirit just led me and, and just said, and I just prayed, God, remove the walls from around this church. Now, now think about how ironic that is, because we were just about to finish construction, and I'm praying that the walls fall down. <laughs> After three and a half years of building, I'm praying... And I, and I could sense that as I said it, people were looking at me like, have you lost your mind? Like, why are you praying this? But I just, I, I just sensed that what God wanted to do here, and, and once these doors opened, I just sensed that there was, there was opposition. Like, like, not everyone was on board. And, and there was a shift that took place in the weeks to follow. And some people that participated in that prayer, they never even stepped foot in this building for a worship service. And, and I'm not saying that, that God removed them. That's not it at all. What I am saying is that for some reason they left. But my prayer for this church is that we never stop opening the doors for the hungry. We never stop opening the doors for the seeking. We never stop opening the doors for the thirsty. We never stop opening the doors for the lost. Because here's what's real. They're asking questions. 
The Bible says that God has put eternity in the hearts of men. They're wondering. They may not buy into it. They may not wholeheartedly believe it. They might not even think that the Bible is real. They might not think this is true. But I'm telling you, they're thinking about it. They're asking questions and they're looking for something. And here's what they all want. They all want a place to belong. They all want somewhere that people accept them. That right where they're at, people love them and they accept them. Jesus told them in Matthew 7 and 7, he says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. I don't want to be that church that people are knocking on the door and no one's answering. I don't want to be the church that people are seeking and we're shunning them and pushing them away. That's not who we are at all. Jesus said this. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. No one. Not the government. Not the school board. Not Washington. He said he has given us an open door. And I can testify that he has given us favor. Let's steward it wisely. Because not only are we called to be in community, they're called to be in community too. There's a place for them in the body of Christ. Let, let me close with this. In Psalm 84 and 10, there's this verse, and, and I'll explain it to you, but let me, let me read it first. It says, For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. This passage of scripture was written by the sons of Korah. And the sons of Korah, they had a job. Their job was to hold the door open. That's, that was their assignment, hold the door open. They were greeters that served at the doors of the house of the Lord. And so they were to hold the doors open. They were to be welcoming to those who were coming to worship. Today at Family Fest, at the Newberry campus and at the Trenton campus, we will serve our DCC community and we will serve the surrounding community by holding the door open. In some way, shape, or form, we will be holding the door open. We will serve one another as Scripture commands us to, and we will serve our communities both in Newberry, Trenton, and surrounding communities. What an opportunity, church, that we have. But don't lose sight of what we are accomplishing because I know the shifts that we volunteer for, sometimes they become long. Sometimes it becomes mundane. Sometimes you scratch your head going, why am I here? I could be at the, in the comforts of my home. What am I doing here? But just remember this as we serve today. You're not just keeping children safe on an inflatable. No. Nah. God has opened a door, and you're holding the door open for them. You're not just loading kids up on the barrel train or the hayride. You're holding a door open. You're not just serving free hot dogs and bottled water and chips. No, you're holding a door open. You're, you're not just manning a game and passing out free candy. You're holding a door open. You're not just parking cars. You are holding the door open because God has opened the door to Destiny Community Church and it's our job to keep it open.
Amen. I'm reminded of Whitney. Whitney was a co-worker of Tequila Vaden. And her daughter really wanted to come to VBS. I've asked her if I could share this, and she said it's fine. Whitney had some concerns that the Bible was going to be crammed down their throats. It is called Vacation Bible School, but, but nevertheless, we've had some good laughs about it. With hesitation, she sent her daughter to VBS. People served, and they made a lasting impression on this mother's heart. And today, I can't imagine DCC without Whitney and the Spellacy girls. Whitney faithfully serves on our photography team and, and other areas too. I wonder how many, how many Whitneys we will serve today at Family Fest that they have no idea that we're holding a door open for them. They don't know. To them, it's just something to do. It's something free. It's something that looks like a lot of fun. But I look across this room and there's others that because of free community events, you're here. Jennifer Ratter, if I remember correctly, you're here because our first youth pastor, Andrew Petrush, stood across from a middle school and passed out free drinks and candy bars to a bunch of kids going home from school. And your son got involved in Axis and from there, your whole family did. You never know the impact you're making. But God has opened a door and all we're supposed to do is hold it open because they need what we have. Thanks for listening to the Destiny Community Church Podcast. To learn more about DCC, including our service times and location, visit us at destinycommunitychurch.org.